You're listening to another episode of the Zag Eric Soap here, continuing our social distancing mini series. Richard is here from the 2019 class. Excited to have him. See what he's been up to. I think he's been learning some new skills, has some new hobbies. Who knows? Let's find out. Thanks for listening. All right, Richard, a phrase I keep seeing on social media a lot is leveling up. Is that something that's applied to you? Do you have uh, skills that you did not have three, four weeks ago? I don't know if I'd say that I've been leveling up, uh, but, you know, I've been trying to been trying to stay productive. Um, I will say that, you know, I think we're in a space now where the first wave of, of everyone dealing with social distancing, there was this very much like a big push on productivity and leveling up. Mm. But what's kind of been interesting now is I think we're in a wave of a lot of backlash that sounds really, really intense. But I think there's a little bit of pushback to that, too, right, where folks are saying, yes, like, you know, level up, skill up, but also offer grace, give yourself the time, space. We're not working from home. We're processing a global pandemic while at home. So, uh, you know, there's there's both sides to it. Yeah, it's been a, a nice shift. I think you're right. The, the empathy has come through a little more. And yeah, I think as we understand it, it's going to be longer in our homes. And even when we're not technically confined here, it's still going to be very different. Not having that pressure to do a thousand push-ups and speak 15 languages when you roll out of your place is has been nice to not have that <laughs> well you um, can do a thousand push-ups not not all of us can do that Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I can do. Um, what other ways have you been trying to stay busy do you have any suggestions for folks on media diets that you have found helpful what's been your plan to date yeah i mean it, it is i think with uh a lot of things slowing down um and a lot of transition and folks trying to process that uh, it has opened up a little bit of space, at least for me. Um, and I recognize I have a lot of privilege in being able to do that, but it has opened up some space for me to be more intentional about how I do want to spend my time. Um, so, I mean, you know, I picked up the, uh, the animal crossing video game that is bringing love and joy to, to lots of folks. Uh, it's a game where you get to be in control of your own little Island paradise. Um, and in a world where we do not have a lot of control, uh, that game could not have chosen a better time to come out. <laughs> Um, I have been trying to learn how to use a data visualization software called Tableau. Uh, it's been on my list of things I've wanted to learn for a while now, but I never really had the chance. So uh, it's been nice to have some time just to sit down and, and work on that. Um, beyond that, I think, you know, I've also just been doing a lot of thinking about how do we hold community and how do we, how do we hold spaces for the folk, for people to connect and have the conversations that they didn't know they've always needed to have? Uh, especially during a, a time of social distancing. Have you found yourself reaching out to people you haven't talked to in a while? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I saw, uh, I don't quite remember where I saw this the other day, but I saw a quote saying that, like, um, there was a guy who was reflecting on how pre-social distancing, the idea of men just calling each other up with no agenda, <laughs> no, like, let's watch the game, you know, just men just calling each other up to connect. That just, like, wasn't as a really, like, a thing. But now, like, it's very much in the culture, right? Um, so I think so, yeah. And is that true? Oh, let me put it this way. You know, I was out this morning, I think, for the first time since the mandate on facial coverings was put into effect, right? So I was out this morning doing some Delray Neighborhood Council stuff, taking meals to the uh, public housing complex nearby. And, yeah, it was interesting with everyone, you know, has their gloves on, has their masks on. And there were a few times even people that I knew, I didn't realize I knew because I couldn't really see them. Someone called me by the wrong name the first time. Then they realized an hour later who I went, like all these different 
uh, realities I hadn't really thought through all the way until actually having been out and about. What do you feel like would be the most challenging part of, of maybe resuming some normal life, but then having these additional exterior coverings on our faces or on our hands? That's a really interesting question. I think, yeah, I, I you know, it's, I, I was reading something earlier about um, that in Asia, the culture or in some Asian countries, I should say, the culture around wearing face masks and all of this is, is really different. And so folks over there are approaching all of this in a really different mindset. Um, I'm thinking a lot about how um, in other countries that have done this before, there's a bit more of a comfortability around it because folks understand that it is an act of, um, of it, is an, it is an act that is done with the intention of, of good, right? With trying to isolate yourself and not spread things. Um, people do this all the time. Even before we had like a massive pandemic, people did it when they had a cold, when they had like minor or minor sicknesses, right? And yet here in the US, it's this like sort of scary thing. And I've seen a couple articles where apparently hospital administrators are telling providers not to wear them because it scares their patients. Hmm. Um, I think we're undergoing a space where we really need to have like a critical conversation about how cultures are going to change with all of this because like you said this is, this is not going away anytime soon right um, so i do think we need to have a, a strong and healthy conversation about what life looks like um, because this is this is going to be our new normal for a bit and it's important for us to to find ways to do the things that bring us life and joy and love and try to establish some sense of normalcy despite all these things and i know there's been a lot of really uh, painful and sad attacks on the Asian American community in LA and California across the country. Um, is there anything that you find encouraging lately on that front? Or are you actually even more discouraged? How, what are your feelings about how folks are discriminating and, and, and being baseless towards the Asian American community right now? I appreciate you asking that question, Eric. I I have I, I I'm flip flopping every day between hope and despair, honestly, on that one. Uh, I'm I'm lucky to be on the board of a nonprofit called Act to Change, and so we uh, we hosted a like many other organizations are doing. We had a Zoom call last week uh, between a couple of folks, uh, Hudson Yang from Fresh Off the Boat, Congresswoman Grace Meng. Um, our board chair, Malik Pancholi, and the former Surgeon General, uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy. Um, it was a really, really great conversation. Lots of, lots, of conver- lots of talking about how to respond to all of this. To, to actually answer your question, you know, I think like so many other crises, COVID-19 doesn't actually create all of this, right? Like the, the xenophobia and the racism, all of that, you know, has been around forever. Um, and that's why programs like NLC are so important. But at the same time, they, like any other crisis, they, they exacerbate these systemic inequities that have been there before, right? They make them more visible. So on the one level, I think I am slightly, like very, very, very slightly inspired by just how much more dialogue there is, right? Um, and especially from folks that don't necessarily usually engage in the conversation. Uh, but the big question for me is, what are we going to do after? Right. Uh, and what are we going to do with all of this energy and are we going to be able to channel it in, in healthy ways? Um, I saw some articles um, about Asian-American, I should specifically say Chinese-American communities up in the Bay that are buying guns at higher rates because oh, wow. they want to use it to defend themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, that's not a response that I would be in favor of. Right. So the question of how we move forward uh, collectively is, is weighing on my mind. 
When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this topic and also moving forward in general. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Dag with Richard. We'll be right back. Richard, did you read Andrew Yang's piece that came out? Was that a week ago, 10 days ago? I did. You know, every day feels like a year at this point. I was about to say, uh, <laughs> what decade was that? What, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, I think it was I think it was a week ago or so, yeah. What were your thoughts on the piece? And maybe even before that, just a quick su- summary for folks that might not have caught it. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily be the, the best person to summarize mm-hmm. it because uh, it's been a few days now. But uh, in general, I think he wrote, um, he shared a personal experience about navigating a, a moment of fear um, and uh, anxiety around being identifying as an Asian American and experiencing some anti-Asian hate. Um, and he sort of wrote a short op in the Washington Post to, as a call to action for Asian Americans to respond to um, the xenophobia and the rising hate and violence uh, by stepping up into our Americanness. Hmm. Um, and that, I'm definitely paraphrasing it, but that idea drew a lot of criticism. Uh, it is very rare to see Asian American Twitter uh, all aligned on the same issue, uh, and everyone was universally flaming that piece because of the, the wording that he used there. And just maybe now with some some distance from his campaign, what did you make of of how he ran as a progressive? What were your thoughts just on his uh, kind of groundbreaking um, efforts and accomplishments in, in the sense of being an Asian American? What's your overall kind of sense now of how you view that campaign? Oh man, how much how much time you got? Let's uh, we could do like an hour on this, man. <laughs> I think a couple of things about Andrew Yang. You know, I um, when when the news first came out, I I was cautiously um, curious, I suppose. Um, I actually went to one of his first rallies here in Los Angeles. It was in Pershing Square, and uh, I'm not gonna lie, uh, he lost me before he even took the stage. Uh, because one of the rally's organizers um, took the stage first and was trying to hype the crowd up and shared that he had been, he had, that this rally organizer this, this, uh, that was now on the Yang campaign team had been, had voted for, for Trump um, in 2016. And sort of just threw that out there and sort of just threw it out as a, I think he was trying to establish his credibility as like, you know, hey, like I made a mistake and I'm out here trying to do things better. And the whole point of this campaign is we are attractive to folks on both sides, all of that, which I understand what they're going with, but that's just not the type of messaging that resonates with me. Um, And I very much identify as a progressive. I think that when harm happens, we have to do more than acknowledge it. We have to repair the harm and acknowledge our own positionality when we are a part of that. Um, on this piece specifically, I definitely felt, hmm, I definitely felt like he just completely missed the mark. Uh, and I should, I should say to give him some, uh, to give, uh, some full context there, he did do a follow-up interview with Next Shark, uh, which is an Asian American, uh, focused newspaper that I would encourage folks to, to check out. Uh, he did a follow-up where he shared that, you know, he was basically trying to encourage, um, Asian Americans to, to do their civic duty um, and not to say that our Americanness is in any way dependent on the ability to do so. Um, but my main thing is this. We've got people who are hurting and scared. Um, uh, APCON, a nonprofit here in LA in uh, partnership with um, another org in the Bay, it's named, uh, is, I'm forgetting right now. They launched a website for folks to share and report incidents of hate. And um, apparently it's at least a hundred or so being reported a day, I think. Um, so 
we've got communities and people that are scared and are hurt right now. And what we need is leadership that tells us that we belong, that our experiences are real and valid and they're not okay. And that's what I really wanted from his piece and his platform that I found lacking. Um, I don't need someone to tell me to do my part. I don't need someone to, to tell me to, you know, be a good American, whatever that's supposed to mean. I need someone that's going to validate my feelings. I need someone that's going to tell me that um, the stuff that's happening is not okay uh, and, and that we belong. Hey, last thing on a lighter note, if you're locked in your home, you can only play one board game for a while. Which one would you choose? Oh God, I only get one. Uh... That's the point. You got to force the choice, man. You can't. You can't cop out. <laughs> only one board game. Huh, huh, huh. You know, I, I, I. It's not exactly a board game, so I think mm-hmm. I'm cheating right. a little bit here. You know, but oh, wow. I, I, <laughs> I think everyone's. Uh, not everyone, I should say, but I think lots of folks have caught on to um, how incredibly fun uh, some of the Jackbox Party Pack games are. Uh, so yeah. for those who are who are unfamiliar, um, you're going to want to go on your computer. You're going to go to YouTube. Just search Jackbox Party Pack. Uh, it's a series of games uh, that can be played virtually. So with Google Hangout or Zoom, you can uh, you can set up a room and uh, share your screen. It's a great way to build community with friends uh, from around the country. Highly recommend it. Listen, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Zag. If you want to catch other episodes, we've dropped a lot in the last two weeks of folks like Richard who are social distancing, but also giving us a lot of interesting things to think about, a lot of inspiration to take with us. And if you're really bored, we have over 200 episodes you can catch up on, and we'll quiz you at the end when this is all over. Find those at Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the places you get your podcast. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.